Welcome, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the C3 Church Podcast. You're about to listen into a message from one of our gatherings. To find out more about our community, where we gather both in person and online, and how to get involved, head to cfreechurch.ca. Now, let's listen into a message from a recent service. So this is the message I want to share this morning. I've titled it, The Myth of Moderation. The Myth of Moderation. Why don't you bow your heads for a moment, and I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your presence is in this room. We thank you for your authority. We thank you for your truth. God, we pray right now that this be a moment and a time where we acknowledge and recognize your truth. God, let, us, let it be easy to find Jesus in this space. From young to old, from the right side of the room to the left side of the room, from the front side of the room to the back of the room, that it would be easy to find Jesus in this space. In your name we pray. Amen. So we've been in this series for the summer, and we've, we've titled it Angels Don't Have Wings, and this is the cap. This is the finale. This is the grand moment of completion. Angels don't have wings. And what we've been talking about is we've been talking about some of these statements that we carry in our life that we maybe use in uh, opportune or inopportune times. And they're things that we want to be true. They're they're, um, idioms, maybe. And they're things that we say, and sometimes we believe they're scriptural. And here's the reason that we need to know what is from the Bible and what is not from the Bible. Because the things from the Bible, the words from God, have power. The words not from Scripture, the quotes of Abraham Lincoln, the quotes of Albert Einstein, do not have the power of Scripture. Jesus, when his disciples asked him how to pray, he said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed means holy. Holy means separate. You cannot have another voice that is equal to God in your life. It's not allowed. Holy, separate. God's authority is greater than every other authority in my life. God's word is greater than every other word of my life. My circumstances, my situation may say this, but God's word says that, and that's where I stand, right? So we have to know what a truth is, because truth is power. Um, And when we don't have truth, we're standing on something that doesn't have power. And I need power in my life. I need things that can transform my life, not things that can just look like, uh, you know, like, have you ever seen, um, I get this picture immediately, of, of people painting and they're painting over something that was painted with oil, and they painted over latex. And it looks good for a moment, these idioms, but they just peel away so quickly because they have no power. The Holy Spirit is like the primer that allows the things to adhere and cover up the reality that needs to be covered up in our lives. Um, Hopefully that word picture helped. I don't know. That's the picture that jumped into my mind. I want to look at this verse, um, and I don't remember what I gave this, the, the screen team, and I like to say this as often as possible, is if the screen team mess anything up, whose fault is it? Yours. That's right. Uh, Revelation 3, verses 15 to 16 in the NLT says this, I know all things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water... Neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Wow. There's this statement that maybe you have heard from time to time, and it's an encouragement in your life. Moderation in all things. Moderation in all things. The idea of moderation in all things 
is attributed to the ancient Greek philosopher Aristotle. He expressed the similar idea in his writings, emphasizing the concept of golden mean or virtuous means. Aristotle believed that virtues lay between extremes and the individual should strive to find a balanced, moderate approach in various aspects of life. Are there times in your life where you've thought, well, if only I can find balance, everything will work out. Can I tell you something that is not popular with the world and society today? Balance is not what God has asked you to find. Perhaps the reason you keep searching for balance and not being able to find it is because Christ didn't design you to find balance in life. Where is the balance in Galatians 2.20 that says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. That's pretty unbalanced. It is no longer I who live. Wait, but let's go 50-50, God. Half you, half me. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm thankful for a Jesus that didn't try to live a balanced life. Very quiet in the room. Jesus didn't live a balanced life. I remember um, I, for the last maybe four or five years, uh, have made it a practice to see a, a counselor myself. And, uh, and what I do, and you know, that's just something I've chosen to do. It was suggested by a pastor friend of mine in Calgary who's been in the ministry for 30 or 40 years. And he said, I just, he's like, I go to a counselor a couple times a year to get a checkup from the neck up, he says. <laughs> you know, sometimes we think that marriage counseling is only good when you're in disaster. Maybe it'd be good just to have a good marriage. <laughs> and maybe you could have some marriage counseling before it's disaster. You know, maybe it could just be a part of our health. Anyways, um, I was meeting with my counselor one time, and I remember talking to him about, um, about being concerned about the idea of being lost in love. He's like, doesn't that sound exciting to you? To be lost in love? I'm like, no, that sounds like out of control. But a life of moderation is a life without passion. Because where is passion in moderation? Passion is defined as this, strong and barely controllable emotion. I don't hear a lot of moderation in the word passion. I loved when I looked up the dictionary definition of passion, there were two definitions that were given. First, it was this, strong and barely controllable emotion. And the second was this, the suffering and death of Jesus. Jesus, his, his suffering and his death that we call the passion, gives us a picture that we are not to look for a life of moderation, but a life that is sold out fully, continuously for the cause of Christ. In Revelation 2, or sorry, Revelation 3, 15 to 16, when it talks about you are lukewarm, it's saying that you have not decided to either be in or be out. Right. You've chosen to sort of balance the lines between. So you're not good for heating anything up and you're not cool, good for refreshing me. Because you've chosen not to make a decision to be all out for Christ or to not be for Christ, you are not useful for anything. Wow. It's a very unfortunate reality. We in our life want to be of value, of worth, of use to people. 
God wants you to be of use to people in your life. Moderation in all things. Now, I, I think I understand this idea, and I think there's some scriptures that maybe we'd, we would try to use um, to, to uh, argue, if you want, this point. And then uh, one of the scriptures that comes to mind, and they don't have it on the screens, it's 1 Corinthians 10, 23. They have a different 1 Corinthians, and I just changed it. It says, um, you say I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. you. You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. And I think sometimes we could use this idea of moderation as like, okay, so only a little bit here and a little bit there, and that's good. And maybe there's some things in our life that moderation does exist in, but if we use moderation in all things, we're going to miss the things that moderation is not meant to exist in. Perhaps moderation in dessert is a good idea. Perhaps. Perhaps perhaps moderation in exercise is a good idea. To do a little exercise but not be consumed by exercise. Have you ever heard... um, This, this scripture in Romans 12, 2, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The world is not bad. We use this term, the world, referring to people that do not have faith or belief in Christ. And, and we have to be careful that we do not define it as bad, but we do have to be careful that we do not accept things from the world as truth without working them through the reality of Scripture. Yes. Moderation in some things is good, but abstinence from some things is good. Yeah. Sold out to some things is good. And actually, I think if we miss all three of those levels, we're going to miss out on some of the benefits of it. Here's what I found about people who don't know what they need to abstain from. They're then not sold out for the things they need to be sold out for. Because it's funny, when you're consumed with one thing, it keeps you from being able to be consumed by the thing you're called to be consumed by. Sometimes we'll use the word sin, which is true. Sin, these things that separate us from God. And sin, what it really does is it keeps us from the place that we're meant to be consumed in. Have you found that when you do things that are not in the will or the the light of what God wants for your life, that it keeps you from God in your life? It consumes you so you cannot be consumed by Him. Ephesians 4.22 says, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. There are things to throw off, not to have moderation in, but to have none in. I remember talking to someone, I can't recall who, um, but maybe it comes to mind because about a week ago I was able to uh, officiate a wedding. Um, and here's, here's a, a reality I've found about what marriage is, or what marriage should be. You know, not every marriage outworks this way. But marriage should be the decision to give to that person something that you will give to no one else. And you know... You know, I've heard the terms uh, emotional affair. I've heard the terms, uh, you know, physical affair. But really, anything, that is con- anything that's an affair in marriage is anything that you're giving to someone else that is supposed to be reserved only for your spouse. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Simply put, whether that's affection, finances, time, whatever it is, 
And, and did you know that Jesus calls the church his bride? And there are things that we are meant to be consumed of in Jesus that are supposed to be reserved for him and nobody else. Reserved for him in no other place. And that when we give those things to other things, we are having an affair, if you will, with Jesus. Or of, I don't know how you say that. Not with Jesus, but not with Jesus. And it's all a little awkward for me to say my affair with Jesus anyways, but that's okay, we got it. You hear what I'm saying in that? And I think this is the trap that we fall into in this, is we believe that if I'm sold out for something, that I will lose myself. Right. You're supposed to. Yeah, come on. You're scared of losing yourself. Because yeah. you're supposed to lose yourself. Because yeah. actually on the other side of losing yourself, you will find your life. Right. And while you're in so much control trying to keep your life, you are losing your life in that moment. Isn't it funny the things that we try not to be consumed by lose our lives and keep us from the place that we want to be consumed from that we will find our life. Matthew 16, 24 to 26 highlights this. Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. If you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit, speaking to those who don't give up their life? What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Sure, there are some things in our life that maybe moderation is good for. That chocolate bar, the grocery store. I like to use chocolate bar at the grocery store as a reference point, because if I go to a grocery store, I buy a chocolate bar. I had to go to the grocery store the other day. We were, I was at the office here on Friday, and Kimberly's like, can you pick up some laundry soap? Yeah, I can pick up some laundry soap. Only thing on the list, do you know what else walked out of that store with me? Very shortly out of that store, a chocolate bar. It was not anywhere near the laundry soap, but I made a special trip for that chocolate bar. It was an O. Henry. It was gone before I got in the car because I was consumed by it. <laughs> and moderation in some things is helpful. But let us not put moderation on our faith. <laughs> let us not put moderation on being sold out for Jesus. Because I see a world that is put moderation on everything. And I see a world that's just further broken than it's ever been. And I see a church that looks at the world and says, well, they must have the answer. So let's bring moderation into this. But I'd like to see a few more people who were sold out for what Jesus had for their lives. I'd see like a few, I would like to see a few more people that were okay with someone being offended because they talked about Jesus. Someone who was okay with someone being a little bit hurt because they invited them to church. Someone who was okay with losing their life for the sake of the gospel. Because what benefit is it? If I gain the whole world, but lose my soul. And could that not be the cry of our hearts for the people in our rooms, the people in our offices, the people that we serve as clients, the people in our schools as our children go into school, the people in in our, our cafes as we walk out, the servers in our restaurant. Could it not be the cry? What 
gain is it if they gain the whole world but lose their soul? Revelation 3, 15 to 16 is, a, is a, a caution that Jesus gives his people. He gives to the church in Laodicea and he says, I know, I know all things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. You're balanced. Lukewarm, right in the middle. You found balance. I wish that you were one or the other. Jesus says, I'm glad you found balance. Could you find me instead? But since you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. In some ways, Jesus is saying, I'd rather you be all for me or not for me. I don't know about you. I I had a a call yesterday. Sometimes this happens, and this is maybe not appropriate for the pastor to say, but that's okay. Um, You know, there's, there's some times when, like, you hear about another Christian, you're like, oh, but I'm not that Christian. Oh, but we're not like that church. And sometimes I think to myself, I really wish that they just would be all in for Jesus or out. I really wish that I'd stop seeing those stickers that say all religions and have a cross on them. Balance. Jesus has not called us to a balanced life, and Jesus has not called us to moderation in faith for him. He's called us to give our lives on his benefit. There are some items in our world that benefit from moderation. There's some items in our world that benefit from uh, abstinence. And there's some items in our life that we are called to be sold out for. If we get sold out for the things we're meant to be abstinent for, we'll never be sold out for the things we're called to be sold out for. That's usually our issue. That's usually the issue that Jesus is actually trying to address in our life. When he died on a cross and bore our sins, carried our sins, he died so that the things that would try to consume our world couldn't consume our world anymore. So we could be consumed on the freedom that Christ has gave us rather than the bondage that sin's given us. I'm going to close here in a moment, and we're going to do communion together. Uh, and then uh, just, just prior to communion, we're just going to pray over the kids in the room as they go back to school um, this week. That's sort of a, I didn't tell the team that, but Carrie suggested it, and it was good. Um, at, at times in our North American society, we've tried to make the gospel easier. Come, Beth, that'd be great. Uh, at times in our society, we've, we've tried to make the Christian um, gospel easier to swallow for people. Um, and in that, perhaps we've watered it down to something that doesn't fulfill what its power is meant to be. Perhaps like the half-truths that we've spoken about over the last two months is that we've tried to serve some, we've tried to serve imitation gospel to people and wonder why it doesn't fulfill the needs that they have. We've tried to serve a balanced gospel to people, but it doesn't fill the transformation. The Bible says that when we find Christ, Romans 12, 2, I said this already, don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Jesus' desire when he comes into your life, when you invite him to have relationship with you, is not that you look like you did the day before. Full transformation. Full transformation. 
We're like, can we just change our shirt and call it done, Jesus? No, full transformation. The old is gone. The new has come. The picture of baptism going into the water is death to life. New birth, new creation. Not a salt of Jesus, a dash of Jesus here, a dash of Jesus there. I'll fit him in when he fits my life and I'll fit him and I'll wait for him when he doesn't. Yeah, he's patient, he's gentle, he's, he's all of these things, but he wants to be consumed by you. And he wants to transform your life so that the things that were buried, that were burdens here would be buried. So that you could come to life to the things that are here. Let's not look like everyone else all the time so that people wonder what the benefit of church and Christianity is. Perhaps the imitation gospel we've served people is why we look so much like the rest of the world. Why so little people can see the benefit of the church. Jesus is bride. Would we be convicted about the state of what the church looks like at times to recognize that we are meant to be the bride of Christ? Have you ever been to a wedding? The bride looks the most beautiful they ever have at that moment. Preparations have come. I've been to a number of weddings where the bride is an hour late because the makeup is getting done, the hair is getting done, so it is perfect. We're called to make the bride of Christ perfect. Don't, don't, don't carry that as a heavy weight. That's not what I mean. But we're called to look more and more like Jesus' bride each day. And it cannot be done by being little here, little there, lukewarm here, lukewarm there. said this last week and I, maybe you'll hear me say it a bit for the next little while I believe we're called to this city as this church to bring transformation to people that would not find Jesus if we did not show up and here's something that I am not too naive to believe I am not too naive to believe that I can change people I'm not too naive to believe that Josiah's style the the, the volume of the music, the preaching eloquence is what transforms people's lives. But I'm certain that if people could encounter a church where the Holy Spirit dwelt, where the power of God had room to move, they would encounter transformation that only He can bring. Could we believe again that the words of God are true? Could we believe again that he can stand on his own words? That our job is to go and preach the gospel and he'll do the rest. I was praying this morning and I realized sometimes I'm waiting for God to preach the gospel. But actually he called me to preach the gospel and him to do the change. Lots of times I'm praying, God, would you preach the gospel and do the change? And I'll reap the fruit. No. He's called you to preach the gospel in all the environments that you are. You may be called to preach the gospel to one person your whole life. And that is a purpose-driven life. Your life is of such great meaning if it's just called to preach to one. If your life is called to preach to thousands, your life is of such great meaning just for that. 
It's never about the number. It's about standing in the truth of what God has for you. Would you bow your heads? I'm going to pray. Thanks for tuning in today. Each week, we gather in cities across our region and online to explore the truth of freedom available to all in the message of Jesus Christ. To find a gathering near you or to find out more, head to c3church.ca. Thank you.